0: All right, so Psalm 67, we are on the last week of our sent sermon series, where we're talking about what it means to live our lives as though we've been sent into the world with a purpose, a sent life. So today, we're gonna wrap up this series talking about what it means to be a sent church. How does that apply to us collectively as a whole? And, uh, and, and of the things that I am called to do as a pastor, probably the thing that I enjoy the most is getting to open God's word with you and teach it. Now, it's not because I'm a bookworm, okay? Uh, Matter of fact, I graduated from high school having not read one book in my entire life, okay? So I'm not an avid reader, it's not why I love this book. Um, It's not because I like to sit around and just read. Um, The reason why I enjoy reading and teaching this book is because I believe that when we open it, we're opening the very words of God. And when we open it and we read it and we believe it, I believe and we believe as a church that God moves, God works, God heals, God redeems, God restores, God saves. And so we don't just open this book to become Bible scholars or more informed people. We open it to encounter the living God. Um, Oftentimes when I'm in discipleship conversations or counseling situations, and somebody says to me, hey, I'm really having a hard time with my Bible reading. My daily Bible reading is just not going very well. I'm not getting a lot out of it, and, and maybe you've been there. Well, if you've ever said that to me, I typically will follow that up with a couple of questions, and one of those questions is, is this. Well, can you, before we go any further, can you tell me what's the Bible about? I think that's an important question to ask, and, and then not only what is the Bible about, when you go to open the Bible, what are you looking for? And oftentimes what I will hear, and I've been guilty of this, is, well, I'm looking on, 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 on advice on how to be a, a better person, or a better husband, or a better dad, a better wife, or just a better version of myself. I'm, I'm looking for me, to which I will typically respond, you know, that's not what the Bible is primarily about, right? It's not primarily about you. And I think one of the reasons why we maybe at times struggle with, with finding meaning in what we're reading from the Bible is we're looking for the wrong thing. We've lost sight of what the Bible's actually about. The Bible is primarily about God, right? So we open the Bible not looking for ourselves. Now, there's a lot in here about you, okay? You're going to find stuff that applies to your life, but it's not primarily about you. It's primarily telling the story of God and his redemption on earth. And when we open the Bible looking for God, we can find him every time. He's constantly wanting to reveal himself to us, something new about his character and his attributes. One of the things that I've grown to love about the Bible is this congruency that I've found. As you read it from cover to cover, you realize it's not a a, a smorgasbord of random stories thrown together from random people and random places, and the only common thing that stitches them together is the word God, but you begin to realize, oh, there's a story unfolding here This amazing meta-narrative that has purpose, and and God's moving from, from Genesis to Revelation in a very specific direction. He doesn't change course along the way. Well, Psalm 67 that we're gonna read together this morning, the first four verses, I believe, really captures the essence of what the Bible's about. So let's read Psalm 67, verses one through four together. Two things before we read it so that you're not distracted there's gonna be a Hebrew word that shows up, the word sila, okay? We don't have a good English translation for that word. We think that it probably is just like musical instruction. So this is probably like an instrumental break in the song. Okay, so these are songs that we're about to read, okay? So this is the place where I picture my mind um, where like somebody steps away from the microphone and David breaks out his harp and does a harp solo. Okay, so it's a little instrumental break. That's the word sila. And then we go right back into the song, okay? Um, The second thing is, And this is really important. You're gonna gonna see the word peoples show up, okay? And it's almost gonna sound like a typo because we don't say peoples, okay? But it's, it's the literal translation of what we're talking about here, and it's the description of a collection of a bunch of different groups of people, right? So you have peoples. So when I say that word, I don't want you to think, oh, typo, or that sounds weird. It's a description of a collection of different groups of people coming together as peoples, okay? So verse one, let's get started. May God be gracious gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that you may that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, and let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Sila. Now what's being described here is a gathering together of a bunch of different groups of people for one purpose. And that purpose is to sing the praises of God, to declare the goodness of God, to be glad together in God. When we walk through these verses, we see a beautiful overview of the story of God as it's presented in the Bible. To begin with, verse one talks about the goodness of God poured out on us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. All throughout the Bible, you're gonna see examples of God being gracious unto the people and pouring his goodness out to the people in in so many ways. Whether it's manna in the desert, it's the parting of a sea, um, obviously the sending of his son, And there's so many examples in the Bible of God pouring out his goodness to the people. But as we keep walking through the psalm, God pouring out his goodness is not the ultimate goal, right? As God pours out his goodness, verse 2 tells us what happens, and here it is. When When that happens, when God's goodness is poured out, his ways are known on the earth, and what? The saving power among the nations, so we're not just a people saying, God, be good to us, pour out your blessings on us so we can be happy, right? There's a purpose behind God pouring out his goodness on his people is so that we can what? We can know him more and the nations can know his saving power. There's a reason behind God pouring out his goodness on the earth, and so all throughout the Bible, story after story of God pouring out his goodness on people in order to what? Make his salvation known, to make his power known, to make his character known. And then verse three tells us what the goal is. Here's the goal. Let the peoples praise you. O oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That is the ultimate end of the Bible. The goal, what it's all headed towards. Go to the book of Revelation. Don't get tripped up by the imagery and and all the symbolism. What we're looking for is the gathering of what? The nations, the peoples. And what are they doing? They're singing for joy, right? The gathering of the nations in what? Gladness in God. And this is the point of the Bible. This is where God is headed from day one. I want to lay out a couple of things for us as we, as we move forward. I like how John Piper describes the relationship between mission and worship, or being sent and being a worshiper in Let the Nations Be Glad. Here's a quote. He says, Missions, think about the church and what we do missionally, missions exist because worship doesn't. Okay? So, worship doesn't exist everywhere, among all the peoples of earth, yet. So that's why we're called to live the mission in our everyday lives and to be a church on mission or a sent church. You with me? Okay, so so here's what that means for us then. Mission does not exist for the church. The church exists for the mission. The mission does not exist because the church doesn't have enough things to do or because it's fun to serve together, right? Mission doesn't exist to keep us busy or to entertain us or to, to, to cause us to feel wanted or needed. We exist to serve the mission. Are you with me? We exist as a church because there is a mission. Think about that. What is the church? Here's the best one sentence definition of the church. The church is the kingdom of God in real time on the ground today. I'm gonna say something maybe a little bit controversial. The church, first of all, has not always existed. The people of God has always existed, but the church hasn't. And the church won't always exist. There will be a day where all the peoples from all the different generations, all the churches will gather together as one people under the lordship of Christ, to worship him finally and forever. And guess what? Solid Rock doesn't get to bring a banner, waving our banner into the room. Because we will no longer be the church, we'll be the kingdom. You with me? And so the church exists because there's this mission to carry out here on earth. I like the way it's expressed in Psalm 40, verse 16. But may all who seek you Rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. That's the goal of missions, to to tell people about the goodness of God. And as God works in that person's life, they would join with us in singing, great is the Lord. If all we do and gather in this room and sing together, great is the Lord and never go out into the world to proclaim it to the people who don't know it, we aren't being the church. Church? Right, we've talked about this a few weeks ago. The authenticity of our worship together on Sunday mornings will be measured, right, by our faithfulness to live the mission out there. If we believe what we're singing in here, we will go out and live it out there. Right? And that's what it means to be the church. The church exists, because there is a mission. Mission does not exist to serve us, to give us something to do. Now, God has always been ascending God. It's in his nature to send. From the very beginning, right? Genesis one, Adam and Eve are created and they're, they're not created to simply hang out in the garden and just manage what is. They're given a purpose to do what? Be fruitful and multiply, go out and conquer the world and subdue it. And ultimately, as image bearers, God was giving them a mission to go out into the world, to be fruitful and multiply, and to build a kingdom of image bearers on earth. That was their goal. It was their purpose, right, by by being placed here on the earth. And even after the fall, God continues to send. He sends Noah to save a remnant of creation. He sends Abraham to, to, into a foreign country to start a family that will one day become this great nation and then this great nation falls into slavery in Egypt and he sends Moses right to go to Pharaoh to, to let the people go and then Mo, he sends Moses and the nation of Israel out into the desert and, and through the Red Sea and then through the wilderness and across the Jordan God's sending right the second king of Israel is David God sends David to be a better king to take Saul's place God sends the prophets to the nation of Israel to warn them, to call them back to faithfulness in God and to lay out for them this messianic promise that God will one day send a better king who will bring redemption to earth. God sends John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus and then at just the right time, for God so loved the world that he sent who? His only son, We see this at the conclusion of all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus gathers the 11 because Judas is no longer part of the 12. And what does he do? He sends them. Listen listen to how the gospels conclude. This is the gospel of Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Does that sound like Psalm 67? What God's doing in Psalm 67, Jesus said, all right, guys, now go do it. Go out and make disciples of the nations and call the nations to be glad. Go therefore, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. This is Jesus again. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 46. And this is Jesus again. He said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the, for- for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to who? All nations, all nations beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And we'll pick up on that verse 49 in just a minute, but you see this clear sending nature of God, don't you? It sends the disciples out to start the church. Um, I was tempted to uh, start this sermon by asking you to turn to Acts 29 but only the few Bible geeks in the room would have got that joke, Uh, because there isn't an Acts 29. Acts only goes to chapter 28. But here's the reason why. So the book of Acts captures the story of the church launching and this fulfillment of being sent to the nation. It begins in the book of Acts, but it, it doesn't capture the whole story of the church. And so chapter 29 is still being written today. It's being written right now, right in front of me. This is Acts 29 happening, right? The church era continues after Acts 28. And so the story of Acts captures this, this being sent by God into the world. I was, uh, I was talking with a, a good friend um, this past weekend. Um, I'm not sure if you keep up with world news and all the things happening around the world, but um, there was a, a major um, military victory announced last weekend, last Saturday in Syria, um, the, the last ISIS stronghold, um, was, was taken by U.S.-backed forces, okay? So we had, we had military on the ground in Syria, and, uh, and so one of those people who was on the ground is a good friend of mine and, and, a, and a previous member of our church, uh, Jason Spader. He's a chaplain with the unit that was there on the ground. So we were having lunch last Sunday. He was telling me stories about it. I was thinking about um, kind of that idea of being sent, and, and and it makes sense to us when we think about the military. Like, our military, we don't round up thousands of men and women, send them into harm's way just in case a mission arises. Right? We only send them because there is a mission. You with me? Right? Wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to just right, to deploy men and women all over the earth just in case something gets out of hand. But the men and women he served with are in Syria, they were sent there with a mission. The mission was what? To defeat ISIS, And so because there was a mission, they were sent. And now I think about the church and, and how we've been sent into the world because there is a mission. We're not sent into the world just in case. You're not sent into the world just in case you encounter somebody who doesn't know God. No, God said, no, I'm sending you to the people who don't know me. Expect it. Like, live that way with that kind of lens on, looking for people in your life who do not proclaim the Lord is good, who are not glad in God. It's, when we look at what Jesus says about the church in Matthew 16, verse 18, we've looked at this a couple of times in this series, and about how Jesus describes the church. He says, this is where, just in case you're not sure of the context, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, hey guys, let's, we need to have a conversation about who I am. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right, Peter." but you didn't come up with that on your own. My father in heaven revealed that to you and upon that rock, I'm gonna build my church. You remember what he said in verse 18 though? I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church has been sent into hostile territory. The church has been sent into the earth behind enemy lines. Jesus isn't saying to the disciples, hey guys, go start this church. Now just be warned, there's a slight chance you could meet some resistance right? No, he says, listen, this church is being sent behind enemy lines to proclaim the excellencies of God. And as you do that, God will be made known among the nations. Unto what end? That the nations would know the power of God's salvation. The nations would be glad and sing for joy. So listen, church, we have been sent into the world with a clear, distinct, non-negotiable mission. We don't get together in a think tank room as a church and say, what's our mission gonna be for the next two years? I don't know, what ideas do you have? I was thinking, no, the mission has already been established. Without a mission, there's no church, right? The church exists because there is a mission, a mission to proclaim the goodness of God, that the nations would know God and the power of his salvation and that they would be glad and sing for joy. Acts chapter one, verse eight. So if you aren't familiar, super familiar with the Bible, just so you know, Acts, the book of Acts, is a continuation of the gospel of Luke. It's the same author. So where he ends in Luke 24, um, by telling the disciples all these things had to happen. And then in verse 49, he says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. He's referring to the Holy Spirit here. And then he says, but stay in the city. He's talking about Jerusalem and you, uh, until you are clothed with power from on high. So that's how we. that's kind of the end of Luke 24. And then we start with Acts 1. This is the last resurrected appearance of Jesus before his ascension. And so Luke picks up right there where he left off with Acts chapter 1. And look at what he says in verse 8. But you will receive power right? That's what he said in Luke, power. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, there are, um, among all the different theologies taught in the church, probably, at least among the top two or three, um, that get distorted are teachings on the Holy Spirit, okay? And I don't know if you grew up in a church that either under-emphasize the Holy Spirit or over-emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that we mistakenly think about the Holy Spirit of God is that God's Spirit has been sent to us to make us happy, to give us joy, to give us peace, to make us better people. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, those things happen. But that's not the purpose that the Holy Spirit has been sent to us. Are you with me? Holy Spirit has not been sent to God's people simply that they would be happy people or just better people. And, and it is true, the Holy Spirit of God living in us, in us transforms us, but not into better people, into the image of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But here, out of Jesus' mouth, he's saying, guys, listen, the Holy Spirit's coming. Here's why the Holy Spirit's coming. And so we ask ourselves, do we want to see a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit in this church? I do, but what do we mean by that? What does that look like? And here Jesus says in Acts 1.8, I'll tell you what it looks like. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Yes, I want some of that. And here's what will happen. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, empowering us, is unto this mission. Think about that. How many churches today desire and long for, pray for, beg for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God? But how many of us ask for that outpouring so that we can be empowered to live the mission? Right? Or how many of us are wanting that and asking for it just because we want to be filled up? We want to receive something good. You see the hesitation from God to pour that spirit out? This is not why I'm pouring the spirit out on you. I'm pouring the spirit out on you to empower you to live this mission, to be a sent church. And then he says, here's how you'll know you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Again, a reiteration of Psalm 67, isn't it? We're taking this message global. We're taking the goodness of God global. Starting where, though? Jerusalem. So God starts geographically, and it's almost this kind of a, this this illustration of a bullseye. Jerusalem's right in the middle. See, guys, here's where we're going to get started, in Jerusalem, but we're going to move out from there to where? Judea, Samaria, and we're going to keep moving out until where? The ends of the earth, right? So there's this idea of God saying, listen, I don't just want the inhabitants of Jerusalem to be glad, I want the nations to be glad. I'm not just pouring out my spirit so that the people of Judea can be glad. I'm pouring out my spirit because the nations will be glad. And so we as a church then exist, right? Because there is a mission. Rock Church has been placed in this community to live out this mission as a church sent by God. And I believe that in a very similar way, God has called us first to Jerusalem, this community around us. Right? To proclaim the goodness of God to the people around us, the people in your life, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members, maybe a stranger you would meet in this community. And that's when we remind ourselves every week that we've been called to live the mission in our everyday lives. Because we've been sent. Right? Not just in case something happens, but because we have been sent. Right? Which, Which changes the way. We interact with the community around us, the way we decide on where we're gonna get gas, where we're gonna get coffee, where we're gonna eat lunch, where we're gonna get a haircut, right? It changes the way we approach going to Home Depot to shop for something. Like we're constantly looking for opportunities to be sent. That's the reason why we changed up our spring break um, mission strategy. If you've been here for a few years, um, you know that historically we've taken national mission trips, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with that but we intentionally shifted it to where this year we were just going out into this community doing practical things. But what we don't want you to think is that um, by going and serving during spring break, you're done for the year, and now you just need to wait for next spring break because we'll do it all again. If that's your perspective, you've missed it. The point was, right, to begin to break down these misconceptions about mission and understand, oh, these are practical things, that my family and I, we can do this on a Saturday. We can do this on a Tuesday. We can do this in our everyday lives. Missions is not a trip we go on. We go on trips to live the mission, but that's not mission. Mission is what? Living intentionally to proclaim the goodness of God in your everyday lives. First, where? In Jerusalem. This is our Jerusalem right here. And then from there, where? Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We've partnered over the years historically um, with different church plants across our nation because we believe that God's called us to be involved. We're not a big enough church to to solely resource any one church plant anywhere, but we've participated financially, we've participated by sending teams to help church plants get started nationally. It's one of the reasons right now we're working on putting together a a national natural disaster response team. Not just because we wanna go out and chainsaw trees and clean up neighborhoods after disaster, but we want to go out into these areas where people are broken and hurting, where potentially God has their attention, and we want to proclaim the goodness of God, and so that's one way we want to live this mission nationally. Of course, internationally, we've been in the Philippines for the last um, six years or so, and in multiple opportunities in the Philippines uh, to proclaim the goodness of God and share the gospel with people groups for the very first time. We've encountered um, there in the Philippines um, nomadic villages, right, that, that have their own little subset culture and their own dialect of the local language. You can't, even, you can't even get on Rosetta Stone and find their language. You've got to have an indigenous translator, right, who grew up in this rainforest, who knows the people and their language, and we've had the opportunity to go in, into these villages and share the gospel with people for the very first time. And so the last six years, that's been our ends of the earth. We're currently right now um, meeting with the Rathbuns and praying about where next, because we know the question isn't, do we go? The only question we have is, where do we go? Because we've been called as the church to, sh- to live the mission where Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. A lot of practical ways we're trying to em- empower you guys and platform you as the church to live the mission in our area, Good News Club happens on Fridays. If you're not involved with Good News Club, this is an open door into our local elementary schools to go and spend time with kids and share the gospel. We do National Night Out. Many of your neighborhoods, we're in your, in your neighborhoods there trying to build relationships with people who, who don't know Christ and, and, and don't know the goodness of God. These are just examples, though, of how we as a church are striving to live this mission in a very practical way. Now, we are, um, we're on the brink of breaking ground. And I think this sent Sermon Series, I really believe it was ordained by God for this moment. Like, in all the, the sermon planning with the other guys who preached last year, we didn't intentionally put this sermon series here at the end of the all-in um, uh, commitment time, right? So, like, we're going to roll from here right into all in and talking about the future. But one of the convictions that we've had since the beginning of this journey is this, that our primary focus would not become raising funds or building buildings. We made that commitment together, church, right? And and I believe that for the most part, we've maintained that commitment. So what we mean by that is we're gonna, it's gonna be exciting to see a building being built. But let our excitement be not in the monument we're building, but in the nations being glad. Right? Because we're building a space because we believe that more people in our community who don't know Christ are going to be invited to come into the church to know Christ and to to proclaim with us, Great is the Lord. Right? That is our excitement about a new building. The mission of the church is not to build buildings or monuments, those are simply tools, the byproduct of living the mission. And so I am as excited as I've ever been about the future of Solid Rock Church. You look around in this service and there aren't a ton of seats available. If everybody in this room went out and invited somebody to church next week, there'd be standing room only and we'd fill up the other two services as well. Right, no problem at all. Right, so this is about, this is not about just filling seats. This is about inviting the people in our community, right, to come to know the goodness of God, the power of his salvation, that they would declare together with us, great is the Lord. So I am as excited as I've ever been about where we are as a church and where we're going, but let us not take one step forward until we resolve this. We are a church sent with a mission. That's why we exist. The mission doesn't exist for the church. The church exists for the mission. We Exist to be part of God's mission to build a kingdom of image bearers from every tribe, tongue, and nation who would declare together with one voice, great is the Lord. That's why Solid Rock is on the earth and that's why Solid Rock is planted by God in this community at this time. And I believe that's why you're here, to be a part of it. So i I want to give you some time to think about a couple of things. First of all, I want you to think about your involvement in the mission of this church, okay? For some of you, it may be for, you know, maybe, maybe for some time now, you've sensed that God was calling you to get involved internationally, and you just heard the, the, the video announcement at the beginning of this, this ser- uh, the service where Jeff Rathbun, with his very convincing beard, uh, talks about going to the Philippines this summer, and maybe, that's, maybe that sparks something in you, and maybe that's something God is calling you to do, to go internationally to the ends of the earth, and and be involved in sharing the gospel there. Maybe as I'm talking about our, you know, our involvement nationally and you know, talking about a response team, something like stirred and you're like, hey, I wanna be a part of that. Maybe, and, and, and I would say this most likely, it has to do with what's happening in this community right now. Right, as we talk about getting involved in our community, living intentionally in our everyday lives, allowing this mission to drive everything that we do, more than likely, that's the place where something began to stir in you. And I know there are a lot of hesitations we have and questions we have about how to do this. Listen, this is what community is for. We do this together. We talk about our anxieties and hesitations together. We answer questions together. We share stories together. I don't know how God may be stirring in you, but maybe somebody here today who's Just recognizing for the first time that the God who created this this amazing universe loves you. And maybe for the first time you realize God desires to pour out His goodness on you and the power of His salvation on you. And maybe you're asking that question how do I get that? How, how How do I get in touch with that? How do I receive that? Listen, I want you to hear a simple message this morning. We are saved by grace through faith at just the right moment, God sent his only son to the earth to live a perfect life and to die a brutal sacrificial death in our place. Not just your place, but mine too, our place. And on the cross, Jesus paid a penalty that you and I owe for our rebellion and our sin. But he also went to the grave. And, and, and in the grave, he took with him the weight and the burden of our sin. And then three days later, he resurrected and left the shame and the shackles of sin and death there in the grave. And here is the gospel. Jesus says, all who call on me will be saved. All who believe in me will be saved. And so if that's you today, listen, my prayer for you is that you would take that step of faith and trust in Christ. Trust in the work he's done for you. It's enough, I promise, it's enough. This is is what we're proclaiming. This is what draws the nations together is this simple message, trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. And so if that's you today, I'm gonna pray that you would make that decision. And in just a moment, our worship team is gonna come back up. Um, Our prayer partners are gonna be down at the front. And while we stand to sing, um, I'm gonna encourage you to grab one of our prayer partners today. Um, We're gonna be singing a song that we sing often around here, um, I Need You. And this is a great song because it applies to everybody in the room. Like even if you're here and you've been a Christian for like 30 years, there's this perpetual need to say, God, I need you. And I hope that we'll cry out together. Or maybe for the first time, you're like, you know what? I realize I need him. And maybe you're gonna, you're gonna join in and make that your, your prayer today with us. Um, we'll just pray together and then we're gonna respond however God is speaking to you. Um, Father, thank you for um, this beautiful, clear message from Psalm 67, God, that that really sums up why we're here on earth. And God, we're so thankful that you have chosen to pour out your goodness on us. We're so thankful that you've chosen to make yourself known to us. And God, this morning, you've reminded us of what it's all about. God, you're doing this redemptive work on earth in order to call to yourself a gathering of all peoples. God, believers from all tribes, all languages, all ethnicities. God, to come together and to proclaim great is the Lord. So Father, we we pray that today. We proclaim that today. God, we ask that you would do a work in us, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this church that God, you would fill our lives with your spirit in such a way, God, that every one of us would walk out these doors ready to live on mission. God, make us into a sent church. God, send us into this community. Send us to the nations. God, let us be a part of this amazing redemptive story that you are writing eternity. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus.